Dayspring University host Bill Durr as he presents a three-part sermon series on generational discipleship. Today is session two of three. You know, I don't know about you, but uh, the six months that I've been involved in putting this study together, God has really pulled at the strings of my heart about the generations that follow after me. And um, one thing that uh, God has shown me, and David, I know you've been following the footsteps of where we are. There are so many churches out there today that are dying. When you know they're not dying, they're mainly dead. And most of those churches have white hair. They're getting smaller in numbers, smaller in number. I don't care whether it's Nazarene, Baptist, Methodist, or what have you. And it's because, one of the main reasons is because they were not taught the value of generational discipleship. And um, we are blessed. This church is in a unique position to break that cycle because uh, my generation in this church is a minority. We don't have very many. And it falls on you, okay, to grasp this by revelation of what God wants to do in your family. And it's never too late. It's never too late. So I wanted to say that as a precursor to getting into the lesson that the truth is for now and not for later. Uh, even as uh, Matt was showing me his book out there, he has a chapter on grandparents. I said, how about great-grandparents? Uh, and you know, I, I said that because I overheard a conversation in my living room by my wife. She was calling my one of my grandchildren to get the great-grandchildren in vacation Bible school here in two weeks. And so that's, see, that's what we've got to do. We've got to pass on what God has told us. Uh, I'm guilty of chasing rabbits, okay? I promise you I will try to stay as close to the notes as I can. Uh, if I tell you I'm deviating, I'm, I'm deviating, okay, from the notes where you can put a finger there, and, but I will come back to that, okay? So be patient with me and as we go through this, because um, I don't know, I guess I got a problem against staying tied to some notes. I like to teach by revelation of what I see. That's the way I was taught to teach uh, what I see. You, you feed me as, I, as the Holy Spirit feeds me, and therefore I can speak what the Spirit is saying. Does that make sense? Because we are spiritual beings, okay? We are created that way. We are spiritual beings that are being blessed to have a life in the flesh, to do something about it. Now, if you will, you have your notes. Okay, let's look at the main uh, verse that we've been, we're going to be looking at in, the, uh, in these three weeks. And that is what I feel like is the most, if not one of the most important verses in Scripture. And <clears throat> I want to show you some things in it. Uh, that the study has shown. First of all, it was God's original plan and still is his plan 
to populate the earth through generational discipleship. From parent to child, to parent to child, to parent to child. God blesses that, okay? If we deviate from that, we get sidetracked, okay? That's one thing. And then also, uh, next week, uh, I urge you to be here because we're going to show, okay, how, how, do, how do I allow this to happen in my life? Okay, what road does God put me on, okay, to produce uh, blessings, spiritual blessings that come out of generational discipleship? That's what we're going to be talking on next week. Okay, look at this scripture. Just drop down for the sacred time to verse 28. You see that in your scripture? Okay, it says this. God bless them. You see that? Underline that. How did he bless them? Is a question I forgot in my note in, in my Bible. He blessed them by giving them a responsibility. Oh, oh that, not them, you, me. We that have been born again. We have this responsibility. Number one is to be fruitful and multiply. That's a blessing. Have you thought about that as a blessing? Of all that God has done, he has blessed you, okay, with creating in, in this earth generations of people that look just like him. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, he said, and multiply. Okay, what does that mean? Not only that he wants you to, he blessed you and, to, and caused you to multiply, he wants you to create uh, generations after generations after generations uh, on the earth just like him. Because remember, this scripture was given to God before, given to mankind before the fall of mankind. So therefore, we see in essence in this scripture, we see two things that we're going to look at tonight. And Matt mentioned it in the introduction. God wants us to multiply physically, okay, and create, um, you know, through the natural order, create um, a generation, okay, that are spiritually driven, okay, and not flesh driven. That have a focus on God rather than a focus on self. Now, so therefore, in here, if God is spirit and mankind was created in God's image, that says he not only does he want us to create a physical expression of that and have a physical family that we work with, but also a spiritual family. And every one of us have a spiritual family. And that's what God wants. It's, you know, in my case, I have a large natural family, but I also have a large, large spiritual family because the amount of time that God has allowed me to be a, a, be a proclaimer of the gospel on the earth, it's just grown expeditiously. And a lot of them are pastors and what have you. That's just passed down from generation to generation. Now, Jesus takes this same a command of creation and gives it to you and I in the New Testament. As you have in your notes, you can see that in Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. 
This is what he says. So the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but many doubted. Then Jesus came up and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Okay, that's important that you understand what he said. Because, see, the Bible says, that which we submit ourselves to, we become a slave to. When Adam submitted himself to the word of, to the word of Satan rather than God, all the authority that God had given to Adam was given to Satan. And when Jesus went to the cross, he defeated Satan, and now he has all authority. All the authority of the universe of the universe abides in Christ Jesus. You don't get any bigger than that. And therefore, since you're in him, guess who has the authority? You have the authority. I have the authority. So therefore, since we have the authority and we're under him, Jesus gives this, com this command. Therefore, go. Now, that doesn't say, therefore, sit in a church pew and do nothing and just come to church on Sunday. It means go. It goes to whatever garden God has placed you in. And he wants you to tend it. He wants you to take care of it. He wants you to, be, he wants you to multiply it and expand its boundaries of that garden. And God has given every one of us a garden of some sort, be it in a workplace, be it our work, I mean, be it our home, uh, anywhere, our social circles, that's our garden. And so we have to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness everywhere we are. People know that we are different. And then this is what he said, and make disciples of all nations. Boy, that's profound. Make disciples of all nations. And let's expand that a little bit. See, we've got to identify these things where we can understand it as we go through Scripture. In John 8, 31 and 32, that's the closest definition that I've found to be a disciple in the Bible. It says, to those, Jesus said to those Jews that believed on him. That word believe means that trusted and relied on and clinged to him. They were believers. But there's more than just being believers. What you got to do is, if you believe in Jesus, you got to do what Jesus said. Amen? Or oh me. See, he said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set them free. You know, our denomination, our tribe that we belong to called Nazarene has a real doctrine called sanctification. Now, how are you sanctified? In John 17, the Bible says we are sanctified by the word of God. The word of God becoming flesh in us and being lived out and shown to the world demonstrates that we belong to him. We are separated by the word of God. Not by feelings. But by the word. That, that's what makes a difference. And then he says this, and I've got this in my notes all under, under, it's not in yours, in the next verse it says, 
teaching them, and that's the word, you know, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Okay, now John, Jesus said something very important in John. You can take this on your notes on the side in John 14. He said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So what is the evidence that you love Jesus? You obey his commandments. That's exactly right. That's an evidence. I mean, if you're not doing it, you're not loving. I'm sorry. Be you doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen. Uh, teaching to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you. Now, how is he with you? In that same verse in John 14, he said, and I will ask the Father, and the Father will give you the Holy Spirit, one just like me, and he will be with you and never leave you. So Jesus said, I'm giving you a commandment to go there for and make disciples, people who are disciplined with my word, who will become flesh. Jesus was the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. You as a people that are being conformed into my image will go forth and the Spirit of God will be with you and empower you to represent me in all conflicts in society. And when you get squeezed, I will come out and you won't come out. That's pretty hard, isn't it? But it's true. Now, here's the two key words. Blank number one. Okay. The word teach. Okay, means to be a disciple of one to follow his precepts and instructions to make a disciple. That's what it is. It means to follow him, to teach. Do you know that you can sit here under Matt or myself or anybody else, John Goen, anybody else, uh, David, anybody that teaches, you can hear their voice but not yet do it. Have you been taught anything? It went in one ear, in one, one ear and out the other. For every hearing, they never hear. For every seeing, they never see. Okay? So this, see, here's something we need to understand in churchology, as I want to call it. You never know anything about God until God reveals it to you by the Spirit. Now, what does the word reveal mean? You have something hidden. Say this ring. Can you see the ring? Now I'm going to reveal the ring to you. Now do you see it? God uncovers it. If you search through Scripture at the writings of Paul, he says, Behold, I show you a mystery that's been hidden from day one, and now it's been given to you and I. And that's what we're seeing in this. Jesus said, You teach my word with a spirit of revelation that will lead people into truth that they may be set free from the bondage of Satan because of the fall of Adam. Okay, let me ask you a question. Y'all read for it? Does your, sin say, does your sin send you to hell? The answer is no. Your unbelief sends you to hell. Hmm. 
That's what it does. Your unbelief's in you now. And they believe not. So when Jesus is saying, he said, you teach them everything that's been revealed to you. Okay, the next word is nations. Uh, I looked this up in Strong's and everything else. I know. To net this out, it comes to, it says the word nations, which means a group of living together, a multitude of individuals living together of the same nature or beginning. Okay. Nations create culture. Right? And let me tell you, I had a, an experience years ago. I spent uh, time on the mission field in uh, Ivory Coast in Africa. And there was a pastor there that started out with 20 people in a grace hut. And when I got there, he had 50,000 members in a nine-story building. And he and his wife and nine children lived in a little office on the ninth floor. Okay, I had him over here to talk to our church. And we talked about the different cultures in Mississippi and how we had to reach the cultures. He said, and I was working through an interpreter with him because he spoke French and I'd speak polyvue That's about it, all I know. Okay. And he said, don't speak to me about cultures. In my church, we have over 50 tribes, and every one of them have a culture. I tell them when they walk in the door and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you lose that culture and you take on the culture of Christ. Do you think we do that in the church? One of the biggest problems we have in our own state and in the churches of our state is cultural, not racial. racial. That's exactly what it is. And Jesus, our commandment is to go to all nations. That's ethnos. Be it black, white, yellow, pink, polka dot, we are to go through that, be it Baptist, Pentecostal, what have you. We are to th Nazarene, ba uh, Methodist, what have you. We are to drop that culture and have the culture of the kingdom of God. Now, okay, sidetrack. Ready? Go to Psalm 103. This is a scripture God gave me this morning. This is what it says. Psalm 103, starting verse 15, if you've got your Bible. Let me read it to you. It is interesting. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it's gone. And its place is remembered no more. Speaks about our life, doesn't it? Now listen to this. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting of those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children as third generation. Okay? To such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. And the Lord has established his throne in heaven. 
and his kingdom rules over it. Can God speak to you in that? You and I are just passing through. That's what God impressed me. And look, you know, when, he, when I talk about that, I want to cry, I want to shout. It's according to who I'm thinking about in my own family. You have a chance to change the destiny of your family for three generations. Wait a minute. If you change the next generation and you teach them what you've passed on, that will affect three more generations and on and on and on and on. That's how God wants to replenish the earth. Okay, I can, I can chase the rabbit somewhere else, so I won't do this. Okay, the, the bottom note, back to your notes. The Great Commission clearly shows us that Christ, Jesus is commissioning the disciples to bring whole nations and cultures of the world under his lordship, not just individuals. So we got to look at the whole enchilada, hadn't we? We just don't want to go out here and, and if you make an individual a Christian and leave it at that, nothing much happens. But if you make a disciple of him and he, you put in him what God is putting in you and you disciple him and he does the same thing you do. And then the word spreads, the word spreads, a multiplication. Now, how's your garden growing? We are, next page, we are God's family, are commissioned to bring the whole earth under the influence of the gospel. We're not called to grow churches only, but to influence whole cities and nations by providing a biblical blueprint for every sphere of society for the rule and reign of God. Okay, I want you to stop thinking about it. You know, we've had the church, the body of Christ, it took a while, and God's time, and it's always perfect. We've destroyed a stronghold of Satan. God has, through the prayers of his saints, and that is the curse of abortion. Can you hear them wailing in the streets? Can you hear them screaming? That's not the babies. That's the killers. Okay. And we fought them, but you know what they, we, we see? And I'm not judging it because they're already, if you judge something, they're already judged already. You know, what God is showing us, look, there's a redeemed people that's rebelling against God that need to be born again and have a spirit of love and forgiveness and be separated from the world instead of separated to the world. Okay? Now, I'm having to look at Matt's notes because he put blanks and my notes don't have blanks, so please y'all be patient with me. Okay. <clears throat> I 
are we are we up on oh yeah okay second corinthians 5 19. okay if you look at the whole verse it says this therefore if any man be in christ he's a new creation old things are passed away everything becomes new because god has reconciled us to him so therefore god was reconciling us to him what does reconcile mean to bring back in line the balance of anybody have an accounting when you reconcile books, what what do you do? You they balanced out. Got that? Okay. Now, so we are commanded to do in the same verse. We are commanded to do the same thing. It says there. If you read on further in that scripture, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, that's where this generational. You and I have, when we've been born again, because we're a new creation, God has given each one of us the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile that which was lost back to God, where man once more becomes a son or daughter of the king. Amen. That's the ministry God has given us. Okay, now. Okay, sidetrack. Right? And in that same verse, he said, you are now an ambassador of Christ. What has that got to do with it? Well, ambassador is a representative of a kingdom that is sent to another kingdom. Okay, let me, can I net it out? You were transferred when you got born again from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. So therefore you became a new creation. And then God gave you the ministry of reconciliation to go right back to the pit and bring other people out. And then in the next verse it says, don't waste your salvation. How many folks were waiting? You know, my own personal testimony, you have to plug yourself in. I'm sorry. At 32 years old, I got saved when I was 12. At 32, 20 years later, I had never led a single person to the Lord. I found out that a 12-year-old faith wasn't sufficient for a 32-year-old man. And I asked the Lord... And he filled me with the Holy Spirit, and my life has never changed. And literally hundreds of people have come to know the Lord. That's what God can do with nothing. And that's what God can do with all of us. If we'll just do it and believe him. Are you going to believe your feelings, or are you going to walk by faith? Trust in God. And it'll make a lot more sense next Wednesday night when I get into the road to fruitfulness. Okay? Now, <clears throat> Colossians 1.20 says this, And through him to reconcile some things. What does it say? All. All things to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross through him, whether the things on earth or things in heaven. Man, Jesus paid it all. He, is rec he wants to reconcile all of his creation. See, the Bible says in Romans 8, the whole creation groaned for the revelation of the sons of God. 
the creation out there is waiting for you and I to fulfill generational discipleship and fill the earth with people that look just like Jesus. It hasn't happened. You know, Matt, Matt never quotes this guy, John Wesley. I mean, he's never in any part of his sermons at all. Uh, they said his mother got up every morning, then she ran four o'clock and prayed for all the kids. She knew the truth about generational discipleship. I guess John and Charles affected the kingdom of God as much or more than anybody else. One little woman that caught the vision of how God wanted it to work imparted it to her boys and they walked the gospel. And then John, I mean, Wesley, John, yeah, John Wesley, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm former Baptist, so I, don't, I forget all these names. Uh, <laughs> but he set up a process by which generational blessings could be passed on to the next generation. You think the world... You th well, I better be careful. I will say the world destroyed Methodism to an extent. They became liberal. They became socially directed rather than kingdom directed. And now the Methodist Church, as we know, the Methodist Church is a mess. And any denomination will be a mess if they deviate from the God's original plan and take the focus off the family. The family is a cornerstone. It's the first thing that God created in the garden for a reason. And it's, you know, it's something else. Okay. Each generation, the next one, must capture this truth. Let me find my notes where I can get you the exact rendering of Each generation must understand this truth. Each generation must understand this truth. Okay, now, the question is, what are we doing? What are we doing in our own personal life, and what is our church doing in order to instill upon those children down the hall that their responsibility is to give that you can receive? You give away the truth of the gospel. You give away what it means to be a Christian. Okay? You give away... The, the greatness of the power of God that he chose you before the foundation of the world. He gave you a purpose and a direction in life to do his will and pleasure. It starts in the home. And it builds up as, as the word goes forth. When God says all, he means all. Okay, here's the next one. Next question. Have God's people become self-centered, forgotten or ignorant of God's purpose in his original covenant of creation, therefore not living in generational blessings? Boy, you can chew on that. Now look at the prophecy that's here. The Bible speaks of such a generation. Let me read it to you. 
there's a generation who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. There's a generation who are pure in their own opinion and yet are not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation whose eyes are lofty and whose eyelids are lifted up disdainfully. There is a generation whose teeth are like swords and whose molars are like knives to devour the poor from the earth and the needy from among the human race. God only blesses us when we are connected to his ultimate purpose of being fruitful and multiplying. Okay, how's this done? It's done by revelation. That's the next verse here. He did this when? He revealed to us the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ toward the administration of the fullness of times, and this is his will, to head up all things in Christ, the things in heaven and the things on the earth, since we were predestined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all these things according to the counsel of his will. Okay, let me explain that. God's purpose was that Jesus is Lord over all things in heaven and earth. And he, when he reveals that to you by revelation, he chose you to be a part to do it. God, who is limitless, has limited himself by giving that responsibility to you and I. You and I, not do it the other way. And that's an awesome responsibility in it. Okay, now let's go to the next section. Be fruitful and multiply. Okay, I won't read Genesis 1.26. Matt, time out. i got to find your notes where I know where the blanks are. Okay. Okay, let's look at this. This is something that I learned a long time ago and, and learning how to understand scripture as, as a lay person. You know, y'all have had the seminary professors up here teaching you, but I didn't have one. It's just, uh, I've been teaching the Bible since I was 26. I'm 82. So what I've learned, I've learned by just studying it in the Holy Spirit and listening to godly men, which will show how that works <clears throat> next week. And But anyway, the one scripture that, that I found out that is a real good method of looking at scripture is first the spiritual, then the natural. And we have to understand how that happened. You can look, I'm going to give you some examples in your own life, okay? In my life, which you can relate to yours as we get into this. 1 Corinthians 15, 46 gives us the key. Okay, it says... <clears throat> However, the spiritual is not first, 
but the natural, and after the spiritual. Now, first of all, before you became a Christian, I want to amplify that a little bit. Most of us related to the world on the natural level, didn't we? Because that's the only way we could understand. But when God, the, God came and gave us that salvation when we were born again, God came and gave us the Spirit. And you have to learn how to listen to the Spirit because He speaks in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, I was thinking, I was praying about this at Sacred there and again, and God spoke to me about the nat- natural and the spiritual. The natural came first. You would never believe this, but when I was born, I weighed five and a half pounds. In fact, one of my mother's uncles said, are you going to try to raise me using fish bait? Uh, and then all of a sudden, I started growing. And all the way through high school and what have you, I was always the biggest one in the class. And, you know, quite honestly, I was under condemnation because I was bigger than everybody else. But in the fullness of time, God knew that my parents were not going to be financially able to send me to college and prepare me in their way of thinking for life. And I played three years of football, one, two in high school and one in college, and got a major scholarship to Mississippi State because I was big. And looking back at that, because I was there, I met her. And we were going to get married on June the 10th, 1962. I wasn't supposed to start my coaching job until August. Never thinking about how I was going to live in June and July. Okay, this is the ways of God. I walked out of the dorm. I let her use my car because she was teaching in Meridian. And I stuck my thumb out to hitchhike. And this guy picked me up. We got over to Highway 45 going toward Meridian, and he said, my name is Art Nations. I'm the business manager of the Southern Baptist Convention, Mississippi Baptist Convention. Who are you? And I started giving my testimony about God's grace. Before we got to Meridian, he had hired me as athletic director of Shore Baptist Assemblage, gave my wife a job, and said, I, I want you to start June 1. I said, I can't. I'm getting married on June 10th. He said, be there on June 11th. Okay. So on June 11th, we became staff counselors to all the college students with a whole world of experience of one day of being married. But see, that opened the door for me to see Christianity from the inside out that God achieved by walking through. But I'm looking back now. Do you think I saw all this in? Nah. But I see God's hand in it now. And this 
see, this is a testimony. You look back and you see God working in your life. And that's what God has been doing in all of our lives, preparing us for something out there we don't even see. Right now, he is putting into you and putting into me, okay, a legacy to pass on, which we can't even fathom the effect it's going to have on the third generation. We have to trust him. That's called faith. Amen? Okay, I changed that rabbit low enough. Okay, now how do we interpret this passage? Well, if you read Genesis 1 and 11 through 122, you see this scripture is right in the midst of, of all the animals and all creation multiplying and passing on one to another. So this is right in the middle of that process of creation and, and uh, going on from there. He will just continue to uh, process. But are we just to have biological children? No. So mankind was created in God's image, so we also are called to reflect God who is spirit in our natural natural children and generations to come. How do we do this? Okay, how do you grow a garden? You cultivate it. How many people that you come in contact every week that needs a phone call and an encouragement and for you to tell them you love them. I mean, I've got several of my home group here and it's not a week goes by that most of them are gonna get a phone call and say, look, we'll call you, check it on you because I love you. Love covers a multitude of sin. They know that you're actively involved in their lives. Or you call and pray for them. You put... You, you, you make sure that their needs are being met. Because, see, Jesus said all our needs are met through Christ Jesus, and you represent him. That's how you develop a koinonia. That's how you develop relationships. That's why small groups are so important. Because they get to see Christ in each other. You get to hear that testimonies. You get to hear their hurts, their their successes, their what their needs and what have you. And God said, I'll meet all your needs through Christ Jesus. And we we are expressions of that. And I'm preaching, I'll quit. Okay, now meaning of replenish, it says, can be translated to fill, full, fulfill, consecrate, accomplish, overflow, and satisfy. By using the various translations, we begin to see the primary purpose of God for mankind on earth. And here's your two words. Consecrate. Got it? Means to set something apart for God's purpose. Am I on the wrong page? Find me? Okay, everybody? I don't want to confuse anybody. Okay, good. Okay. And the other is to accomplish. Speaks to the fact that we're not going through, uh, we're not going to accomplish this task. God has given us to subdue the earth and have dominion if we neglect our biological families and neglect to prepare a legacy for the next generation. Okay, you've got to prepare that. You've got to have something to pass on before we can pass it on. Okay. God's intent is that every sphere of life on planet Earth to overflow with his image and likeness. That's his intent. 
Okay, this action will satisfy God. It will fulfill its purpose. Uh, we need, I like this, we need to stop aborting our spiritual children just as we do our natural children. See, when you abort a child, you cut off natural life, don't you? When you abort your spiritual children, you cut off spiritual life. Stop and think about it. Since the fall, not all human species have a full image and likeness of God. The New Testament emphasizes the need to reproduce spiritual children as well as to disciple our biological children. Jesus said this would be decisive. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I do not come to bring peace but a sword. Okay, here's the main issue. The main issue after the fall of man is not being, it's not the human species, but the main issue is being born again. Only as we're born again are it possibly to be formed into the image of Christ because we have the Spirit. Okay, now here's some key things. People who have experienced the new birth. Number one, are spiritually alive. Number two, their minds are being renewed. They understand that their bodies have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you've got accompanying scriptures there. They grow and begin to increase and multiply in spiritual sense as they are renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. See, that's how you grow. See, I heard one son, if you haven't grown in Christ today, that means you've backslid. See, the Christian life is like an incline. You keep climbing or you go backwards. You can't, you can't reclaim yesterday. See, I have had to develop a mindset, the importance of coming together as a body of Christ. Because I believe in my heart that I don't care who is here, God is going to speak to me through someone, and I'm going to get a word from God. You've got to come, expand. and he said, my sheep hear my voice. It may come from Matt. It may come from a conversation out there in, 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 in the, it, it, but God will speak if you just open your ears. God said, let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, to the ecclesia. So if you're not here to hear, how are you going to hear? Okay, now, while the church sleeps, and continues to lose her natural and spiritual children to the world, the kingdom of Satan is growing generationally. Open your eyes and look around. Okay? Forming generations after the devil's image and likeness. Re reproducing me-centered, pleasure-seeking culture that Proverbs 30 speaks about.
and we read that in the previous lesson. That is the generation that we're seeing around us right now. The me-centered, pleasure-seeking culture. So it's us, up to us, up to the Holy Spirit working through us to turn the tide. And it's not too late. It's not too late. Can you think just a minute of what God has in store that your children don't even know about yet? Because mama, daddy's on their knees praying and God answers the prayers of the saints. Because you've come to the realization that the blessings of God are tied to you discipling your children by the way you live and by the way you act. And next week we're going to talk about God's roadmap to fruitfulness. Don't miss it. Amen.